still evoke emotion from the quality of this, you know, of the 75% of the story that's come before it. Like, Correct. yeah, not going to be as shocking as it ever was the very first time. But again, if somebody tells you a plot point and then all of the buildup and like everything is absolutely ruined because of it, again, your story is terrible and you should feel bad. Yeah, like if I tell you that Avengers Endgame hinges on a time heist, it ruins the effect of the story because the time heist is crap. Anyway, I'm done. <laughs> There's a lot of feelings in there. We should focus on that another episode. <laughs> I love the movie. I should say that. I still think time heist is a crappy plot device, but that's just... It's always been a crappy plot time plot device. I don't know what you're Good morning, good morning, everyone. Good morning. <sighs> episode 11 is upon us, which, clarification, we're at episode 11. Like, last time you and I had this discussion, Aaron, like, what episode number is it? And then I, I loaded everything, and I had to go back and edit. I'm like, no, we're only at 10. Whatever. It doesn't matter. We're at 11, then? We're, we're number 11 today. And thank you, Grap, for creating... Uh, Finishing off most of that reading list, there's like one episode I think you have yet to do, but I'm like, holy, holy, <laughs> that's a heck of a job. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think there's one or two episodes left, so I have to put some uh, Mel links in there, but other than that, whew. yeah. Whew. Nice. All right, let's get it started. What's everyone reading now? So I Who just, wants to start? I say Lord Ish. Lord Ish? Okay. Lord Ish. Agreed. All right. My, mine will be quick. I'm still reading The Great and Secret Show by Clive Barker. Um, yeah, I'm, I've kind of been slacking. I'm not as far as I'd like to be, but I've been busy. I've been doing stuff. So, you know, that's, uh, that, that's that, I, I have an excuse. So that's what's going on with me. What about you? Popcorn, text someone. Okay, I will go. I'll jump. I am hopefully today finishing off The Lovely War by Julie Berry. Um, thank you, Jen, for that uh, recommendation. You're welcome. It's, it's absolutely wonderful. And I also started the other day, just because I'm learning lines for the stage adaptation of The Giver, I started listening to The Giver. Um, and it's and I'm enjoying it so far. I don't love the narration. I think it's Ron Rifkin, but, you know. I'm only like an hour in, got a few hours left. Maybe my mind will change at the end, but Lovely War, The Giver. That's what I'm going through. So wait, you've read The Giver before though, right? Like, like probably a dozen or more times. Oh, okay. Okay, good. Okay. Oh. I love just, that book. That's... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just in the mood to read it again because I'm, you know, working a theater show for, of it. So Yeah, yeah. Mm, cool. Who's next? Tag someone. Erin. Erin. Erin, go. <laughs> I keep saying tag someone, you tag me. Um, <laughs> it really is. Uh, so I finished the book that we were reading for this episode, so that was fun. Um, I think out of everything that I'm reading right now, I'm actually not reading anything. I'm reading, I read a camera manual the other day because for those who don't <laughs> Got a really nice camera and so it finally arrived wednesday yay so i've been reading the manual i don't know what i'm doing good idea um other than that i'm replaying the whole entire saints row series and so Ooh, that's nice. like the one thing i'm doing <gasps> saints row jen go okay i am currently reading a book called the reluctant midwife that my mother led to me she thought i might like it and i do but it's also it's not my favorite book to be happening. I just have some questions <laughs> about like the narrative style. I don't think it's as effective as this person wanted it to be, but it's an interesting enough story. I'm gonna keep going and finish a book I just finished the other day and loved a lot more. It's called Amelia Unabridged by Ashley Schumacher. It just came out like oh, this that week. One. Okay, that and, was cute. Yeah, it's very, it was very heartwarming, but also very realistic in its portrayal of grief. I love sort of the whimsical narration style that somehow did not affect like the reality and the heaviness of the grief, but it just made the story more engaging. Highly recommend everyone give it a shot. Anthony, what are you reading? Uh, so this week I just finished 
Check, Please, Volume 1. It is an amazing, fun, joyful, gleeful um, romp across the ice (laughs) with an ice hockey team, and it's very gay, and it's got food, and it's just all the things that you could want from a graphic novel if you're someone like me. Uh, it's very fun. And I'm going to start volume two today because I'm addicted. Um, but I'm also, because I'm a nerd, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm reading A Natural History of the Romance Novel, which is a literary criticism book of the history of the romance novel. And the writer is a major fan, and she is taking to task all of the critics of romance novels who have come before her who were clearly not major fans and i love her tearing them apart it's fun that sounds fantastic yes uh yeah she's rather she's rather caustic about how uh stupid people are who criticize books they don't read goodbye <laughs> if you know hey what oh um Sorry, this is fine. Uh, Pamela something. Pamela, where's your name, Pamela? Oh, Pamela Regis. It sounds like such a romance novel writer name. Doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As a random thing, when we did that little social media thing uh, last week, does anyone remember their uh, YA novelist or uh, novel author name? I thought it was my romance novel author name. Yeah, romance novel, yes. Yes. I know that my last name was Lovins. Yes. I think you were Blanche. Yeah. Because I was Blanche Wildfall or something. I was like Flavia Montague. <laughs> <Romeo's> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Aaron's just finding the meme right now. I found the meme. Um, mine was Guinevere Le Fay, and I'm like, why am oh, I yes. an Arthurian legend? Yes, you're the knockoff Arthurian legend. <laughs> yeah. I'm the knockoff Romeo and Juliet character. What is Grant's? Grant. Um, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Carmen Valentina. <laughs> Ooh. Oh. It's pretty good, to be honest. Spicy romance novel. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say a little smutty, even. <laughs> yeah, he's the erotica writer. <laughs> Uh, but like, I can also only picture him with like a giant fruit hat on. <laughs> because of the banana. <laughs> Carmen Valentina just sounds like a person who it wears really a fruit does. hat. It just really does. Am I does. She's thank got you. like the red hat, and it's got like a weird tilt to it. She's got like a pineapple and some bananas. Yes. just chilling in socks. Thank you're you. You're like, okay, you're on my level. Yeah. Thank kind of like you. Like as long as it's still like. <laughs> We're always at the same level, yes. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Just as long as there's no grapefruit in the net, I'll, I'll be fine. Oh, no, grapefruit. I love grapefruit. We're going to put grapefruit in <laughs> All right, I'm fair listeners. Let's move into the meat of today's episode. This is what? a scary-ish. <laughs> yes, that was not a mispronunciation. Uh, pronunciation that was a scary ish episode we decided to let lord ish grant himself choose what we're going to read and then discuss so what did we read what did we read we read um i'm thinking of ending things by ian reed and uh i have my own thoughts on it uh, kind of mixed feelings, but I, I'm interested to hear what uh, all you guys think about it. I have the book in front of me, by the way, if anyone needs actual references. Well, Anthony, I have confession. <laughs> Anthony, lead into it. Well, I have a confession to use a term that it, that frequents the booktube online world. I DNS this one which means I did not finish it. Sorry. I think I will finish it. Um, but I got like 52 pages in and I was exhausted. 
<laughs> Buy it. So, yeah. Now, I'll admit, I did finish it, but the beginning of this book was really rough for me, too. <laughs> I, oof. The way, okay. Spoiler alert, guys. We're not, we're going to dive into this. Sorry to anyone who hasn't read it yet who didn't want to be spoiled, but we're going to actually talk about this because... If you don't want spoilers, this book came out in 2016 and you've kind of had a long time to read it anyways. Yeah. If not, there's 10 other episodes you can listen to while you read the actual book. Thank you, Erin. And I get the feeling it's the kind of book that's hard to talk about without spoiling it. Yeah, like I think you kind of really talk about it without spoiling it because that's just the way that the book is. But anyways, my, my problem with the beginning of it was I have an instinctive distrust of a male author writing a female narrator until we get into the book and see how it goes. And for a minute, I thought this is going to be the kind of book that I can't trust. Just some of like how she was describing herself versus her relationship with the mm-hmm. boyfriend had those very like, I am a man and I have not spoken to a woman who's not my mother in 15 years kind of <laughs> styles. But then at the end of the book, and again, like massive, like the Kill Bill siren should be going off here, spoiler alert. When it turns out she's not a real person and was like a hallucination of a dude the entire time, maybe that was on purpose, I guess. Wait, what? Yeah. Yeah, again, I told you you needed to keep going with this, bud, because like the end of the book really changed my thoughts about the beginning of the book. I'm, can I piggyback on uh, Jen? I want to piggyback with that too, because and I was talking to Grant about this. Um, you, like it was like a week ago, Grant, and um, I. It was hard to get into. Like I'm trying to think when it finally. Like I didn't like. It, it was just weird back and forth. Like it, Pooper get off the pot already. You know, like you don't like him. You're not really that. But then you talk about him for a little while. I'm like, oh, you do like him. I was not digging the narrative for a little while. The yeah. only thing that was kind of intriguing me were the prank calls. But like, <laughs> for the first like hour of listening, maybe hour and a half of listening, I'm like, eh, eh, I don't know, I don't know. And then when we got to the home and things just started getting a little weird. Yeah, I think once we got to the farm, I finally kind of settled in more. Like it was at that point, weird things are happening. And then I'm like, I'm like, I need explanation. Why is it this way? What this is weird. And the calls kept on happening. And and it, it it after that hour hour and a half opening, I was then okay. Like I'm I'm totally invested in the story. And I I remember walking out of the back room right up to you, Grant, and making the the, the motions of my head exploding. <laughs> I, I remember that after immediately finishing the book and being very careful because yeah you Aaron you were like 10 feet away I'm like I like I did not anticipate like I want to I'm considering either rereading it again or by the way um listeners if you want there is a, a Netflix film adaptation of that which am I right Grant did you say that the film was better than the book um, for the most part, I would, I would say that, yeah. I mean, it, it falls very closely up to a certain point, and then it does some stuff that I'm not a huge fan of. But um, it's directed by Charlie Kaufman, who uh, directed, like, Anomalisa and Synecdoche, New York. And it's, 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 a really, it's a really cool movie, but I have problems with that as well. Do we know who's in the movie? Uh, I'm trying to think of what the guy's know? name. Uh I really like him. What is his name? I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. Aaron Googling um, it for me right now. I'm Googling okay. the cast right now. There's Jesse Plemons. Okay. Jesse yeah. yeah. David Lewis. Ooh. Oh, it's Remus Lupin. Yeah. Producer Lupin. Oh, Lupin. oh I'm so um, glad he's here. Oh. There's like a few other characters. Okay. I love this cast. I don't know if I could ever watch yeah. this movie because this book was enough that I was like in a terror spiral for 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, sorry. You know, something that I did find very interesting because it doesn't surprise me that this made a quality film is that it feels very cinematic in the way that independent films do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
like and it's I I was trying to figure that out as I was reading it. I was like, why does this feel so like movie like? And I think it has something to do with the the setup of the story. I I don't know that he needed to set it up that way. Um, but that's because I haven't finished it. But the way that he presents the information is very much like a movie would present information. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not at all the way that a book would present information. And that bothered me for so long. <laughs> oh. Aaron? Okay, so <laughs> I, I walked in earlier before we started this, and Jen knows exactly what I'm talking about when I get there. But I originally started this book, and the whole entire time, the only reason I wanted to read this book was because I wanted to know what the name of the main character was. Like the narrator, like the oh whole- no, sorry. Well, yeah, but they don't reference the name of the main character or the narrator at all throughout this whole entire book. So this whole time, you get this first person point of view. Yes, slightly first person point of view. Um, but <laughs> I just kept going. What's their name? What's their name? Yeah. We know everyone else's name, but what's their name? Easily one of but, the more um, infuriating narrative devices. So I'm sitting, so I had to go to the doctor's office yesterday. So I'm sitting there reading this in the middle of the doctor's office. And I'm just the whole time, just like mumbling to myself, what's their name? What's their name? <laughs> That's not important. That's not important. But I get about 20 pages in and the whole time I've played enough scary games. I've watched enough people play scary games where I, the whole time I'm just going, it's the boyfriend. It's the boyfriend. No other. Yeah. It's just, it's the boyfriend. And so by the time I was done, I literally walked downstairs. It's eight o'clock at night. My mom is watching the news and all I can say to her was mom, it's the boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, okay, what do you mean by that? I'm like, well, obviously he has some psychological mental issues. Maybe he has some type of like daydreaming problem, like multiplicative daydreaming, or maybe he's got like DID, or maybe he's got some type of schizophrenia, or maybe he's got some type of dysphoria. All of a sudden he's a girl, and then all of a sudden he's a dude, but all of a sudden he's the janitor, but like there's a whole bunch of deep issues going on, and I'm like, well, okay. Wait a minute. Okay, so... Is this a multiple personality? Wait, what's what is the what is the politically correct term for that now? I think multiple personality is relatively okay. It's, yeah, it's is it okay? Personalities. I just say DID because it's yeah. dissociative identity disorder at the same time. That's it. Thank you. That's the one. Like, maybe, but also maybe not. The ending of this is real wide open for us here. Well, it's left open to interpretation. Cause I, I mean. I literally Googled, what the heck is the meaning of this the end? And he ends up like leaving it open to interpretation. So whatever you feel at the end of the whole entire thing is probably correct. I think I just went mental breakdown. <laughs> well, well, that's a mental breakdown, especially with the way that they present it. And I think the one thing that I liked the most was... I don't know if anyone really noticed it who has read that far in, but in the farmhouse, not the farmhouse, but like she is talking to the boyfriend. She's talking to Jake and he mentions that he has a brother. Oh, and then he literally describes everything at the very end, but right then and there. And the whole time I just keep going, you just described it out, didn't you? You just really decided that it was a great idea to just like, foreshadow everything right there i could stop the book right here and it would be completely and utterly correct but i have to keep going anyways because i need to know yeah no when he described the brother i was like oh this is a red flag this is <laughs> this is this is so very big this red is something flag. bad isn't this and then he started describing the whole entirety of the farmhouse and i was like oh. okay here's a random thought um Early thoughts right now. We're like 10 minutes into discussing it. Um, I'm going to say thumbs up. Aaron, thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh, thumbs up. Thumbs up. Jen? Thumbs up, but not like an enthusiastic one. Like, yes, sure. <laughs> if you want to, well-crafted book, but it's not anything like I personally ever feel the need to experience again. 
And not just because I was terrified. Like, I just don't care yeah. enough. Fair, fair. Um, we're going to skip Anthony. Um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Anthony, thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs wavering. Okay. I'll say this. I can't. I, being 50 pages into a book this short, I highly doubt any plot mechanic will convince me that my mind needs to be changed about the quality of the book. There are things I like and there are things that I really don't like. And I think the things I don't like have to do with taste as opposed to craft. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's, I think it sounds like all of us kind of had a hard time getting into this book at the beginning and for a book that's pardon me while I steal. It's like 200 and like, yeah, five, 207, yes, 210 pages long. So a quarter of the way into the book, we're all still struggling to enjoy it. There's definitely a pacing issue there. Grant, what did you think? Yes, um, I would, I, I, I'd say I'd give it like a tentative um, thumbs up. Um, I mean, I, kind of piggybacking off of what you said, it is a very, it is kind of very cinematic. Um, and I think that's kind of why it worked so good as a movie like when i was reading it mm -hmm. i could it, it felt like a lot of it felt like the skeleton of a really good movie mm -hmm. um, and uh but but yeah i mean the ending definitely recontextualizes like all of the discussions and stuff earlier on um but yeah i mean uh, i have some slight problems with it but overall it's enjoyable what what would you say is your like number one problem if you had to pin it down to one thing? Okay. Um I guess it might sound vague, but it kinda I don't know, like and it's hard to tell how much of this was on purpose, but like it almost kind of feels like the first draft of something. Yeah. Like uh, I don't know, but and, and and then again, because the whole thing is, at least how I interpret it, he's he's, I believe he's writing all this down in his notebook. I mean, yes, it, it's hard to tell exactly what what's purposeful and what's not. But yes, when you're writing, overall, it's kind, of, it's a, it's a, I think, yeah, it was a fun mind screw read for me. So, yeah, I was just yep. inter interested to uh, see what you guys thought. Yeah, and then going, sorry, going off of what Grant was saying about, like, the character was writing this himself, I feel like it is kind of hard from a reader's perspective, like, if you're reading from such an obviously, like, mentally unwell character's perspective, mm. if you think something is bad or underexplained or confusing or whatever, how much of that is on purpose and how much of that might or may not be poor writing on the part of the actual author here in the real world with us. Like it is a very fine line to walk. And I think that is going to be a very subjective mm -hmm. answer for everybody. That's true. But, you know, I think I'm reminded of something that um, Zadie Smith once wrote and she once said in a uh, talk with Michael Shabon, um, because they, teach creative writing and they said they're all they're constantly telling their students that fiction has nothing to do with how close it is to verisimilitude it has to do with can you convince me that this thing happened or could happen or has happened or you know so um i feel like authors often get tripped up when they try things like what this book is trying to do you have to convince me that your character is losing or has lost their mind. And I'm not convinced. Oh, I <laughs> and it doesn't sound end. like you guys are either. all convinced by the end. When, when you get to the end, he really does a, like, you say like 50 pages in, he doesn't seem very successful at making you feel this way. But once you reach the end, the way that, the characters are presented and the way that everything is wrapped up pretty in a bow at the very end, it actually does really well of convincing you, like, this is something that could actually happen. This is something yeah, you really reach in his psyche at that point. And you're like, oh, oh, okay, that's fine. I think kind of relatedly to what Aaron's saying, how did we all feel about the sort of, like, gossipy interlude things that oh. happened periodically oh, throughout there's the There's a reason that happened. Oh, sorry. I was thinking about that. What? Because 
Go for it, Anthony. Well, I, I just wondered about those because the, the last time that I encountered something like that was in a book by Gail Giles. I forget the title of the book, but it does the, it's very similar in style. I just think the Gail Giles book is better. Um, but it has those little conversational pieces in between like that. Um, but in the Gail Giles book, you kind of, you know, something horrible is about to happen because the setup of the book lets you know, Hey, these teenagers are up to literally no good. <laughs> wait for it. And it makes you wait until literally the last like three pages. Uh, <laughs> and then it, and then it ends and you're like, what? <laughs> so I was wondering, what is the, what did you guys figure out what the point of those were? So, uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. So those little interludes are how I was able to figure out what happened at the very end so fast. Um, like when I was 20 pages in and I was like, it's this character. That's the reason I was able to figure it out was those small little interludes in between. Those guys are supposed to be like the detectives on okay. a case. I just thought it was like random um, townspeople. Okay. When you read it, um, like I think I got to find the exact one that I was looking at. It yeah. was like later on. But um, they're talking about... Um, for page reference, 189, he, they're like, he'd been working at the school for more than 30 years, no previous incidents. There's nothing in his file. Mm. And then once you finally, like, read the rest of it, like, you realize these are two people talking to each other, and they're talking about his file and everything that would lead him to do everything that he does at the end. Yeah. And, then and it also explains, like, the farmhouse, and it also explains, like, what happened and why he writes in the notebook and all of his like disabilities slash disorders and like all that thing, those things. Like, I think that it's really cool, like the way that they add that in there. But um, the very end, they talk about maybe, uh, they're like, here, read the notebook. Yeah, the copy I had, cool. had, it was like the repub with like the soon to be a Netflix movie thing on the front. So it mm. also had like some book club questions in it and stuff. And I remember one of the things, like, in the interview with the author and the discussion stuff they were bringing up afterwards, they were saying, so is that, you know, is that literally an instruction at the end of the book that you're supposed to go back, flip to the beginning and start all over and go in with that new context? So what I did was the very end says you should read it, but maybe start at the end, then circle back. So I ended up reading it backwards <laughs> for, like, the first, the last chapter. And, oh, my goodness, it is very, very morbid if you read it backwards yeah like oh every single word backwards so i'm not like saying like read it as if like so the last sentence of this whole entire thing minus like the cops talking to each yeah. other at the end it says i answered the question like you don't read it backwards as this question the answer well, yeah, yeah, yeah. you read it as i answered the question no more thinking. I had to. I decided. And then you're like, well, then this is a lot more morbid than we're really getting into. But I started reading it backwards. Nine out of 10 would recommend reading it backwards if you have the time to just kind of noodle around with it. Okay. So, Lord Ish. Yes. When we asked last, I can't remember where we even talked about, like, I think it was during the podcast, like, what, you're going to read the book. Um, or maybe it was in the semi-bookish chat, memory fails me. What made you think of this specific book? Like, because you read, um, this is your jam, of the horror genre, maybe psychological thriller, that thing's kind of your jam. Um, what made you think of this specific book? Um, well, it's brevity, first, first, off, first off, so everybody could kind of get through it quickly. Um, and... <laughs> I had read it fairly recently. I read the copy at the library. Um, and I don't know, it just, from what I've seen, it kind of lends to strong opinions. And uh, I thought that would be fun. Um, yeah. But I mean, it's, it's just, it's just interesting, you know? So that was my reasoning. You know, it's funny you said brevity, and the minute you said that, I joking, jokingly in my own mind thought, all right, when I get to choose a book, we're going to read uh, 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 something by uh, Tolstoy or maybe Moby Dick. 
I still haven't yeah. finished Walking Dead. Someday. <laughs> He's read the first six two novels and hasn't finished. That's I love that. <laughs> but um, I before we kind of get deeper into the episode, I actually have a question for all you guys. It's kind of a vague question. Okay. Um, oh no. What scares you? Oh gosh. Like about the book or about about scene? what what scares you in life in general? <laughs> Are we getting by? Into- Yes, we're going through a therapy session. Let's go. Spiders terrify. Spiders and failure. <laughs> spiders. Okay. Such a perfectionist answer. Well, no, actually, that you said. And I mean that with love. I mean that with mood, deep though. love. That's a mood, though. <laughs> True. Um, it's funny that you said spiders and failure, Anthony. Because first off, like I was thinking, oh, this could go. This entire question Grant just asked could go really existential and deep. And you had to throw out the word failure. But by the way, on spiders, did you like my desktop at work? Just for you. <laughs> you know what? But you, but do you know what I hate about it? I'm getting used to it. Exposure therapy. <laughs> it's awful. It's trash. <laughs> But I will say this may explain why Sam killing Shelob, spoiler alert, is literally my favorite moment of that entire movie, despite how chocked full of awesome moments it is. Because Sam doesn't fail and he kills a giant spider. It's perfect. Win win. Yeah. Um, okay, thinking about what scares me other than, you know, uh I, I have this deep, like, dread, you know, of failure as well. But that's a whole little discussion for another time. I have, if I'm talking about something physical, tangible, I am terrified irrationally of snakes. So, like, <laughs> that's not irrational. <laughs> I, I feel like it's irrational. Like, some people really um, have, um, what is it? like snakes as pets and I, I there are movies that I like to watch but I have to turn away at certain scenes like I think the only relatable scene with a snake in it is in Indiana Jones when he's like mm-hmm. there have to be snakes and yeah. um but like even like there are movies like Anaconda or anything that has a snake as a main that's straight out like if I watch it I will legit have a probably a nightmare out of it um oh and if I'm going to go a little bit deeper, like I'm not a horror movie person. I'm thinking about movies for a second. I'm not a horror movie person. However, due to Catholic upbringing, and even if I'm not really a practicing Catholic myself, I'm card carrying at the very least. Um, <laughs> if I see a spiritual movie, like The Omen will mess with me, uh, Stigmata messes with me, anything that's Catholic, Christian oriented, uh, the, con- like, the Conjuring, um, oh, yeah. I won't watch The Nun yet. Oh, I love The Conjuring. Um, but anything like very religiously Christian oriented, I, I was raised in it just enough that I see a movie, I'm going to have some weird dream later on. And that Dude. It even makes it like I can watch Resident Evil all day. Like I can play the game. I, you know, I can read this book and I can go to sleep happy at night, even if not a little yeah. headachey because I'm like confused. But you, you show me something like, or. I read a story about something Christian oriented and horror. Oh man, that's going to mess me up. I'm not going to tell you to play the nun then <laughs> if you like scary games. <sighs> okay. Well, since it seems like we've kind of struck a theme here. My one like lighter thing is bees. I don't do bees. Although oh, yeah. like, I can see like pictures of bees. I can watch movies with bees and like that doesn't bother me. It's I, like real life. <laughs> are the problem i don't care about images and then if we're gonna get deeper i have a fear of abandonment yay same bro <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> see my brother's allergic to bees and so my dad's allergic to bees and i've never been stung by one i'm never, terrified yeah, of getting stung. yeah yeah same. Same. and i just go <laughs> i know you're not supposed to run but i always freeze up and like start walking very rapidly away from the bees i i can't handle it Oh, no, I run because if I don't, the flying things, my impulse is to start swinging. <laughs> and that's not a good idea when there's 
a bee around because then they get angry. <laughs> you missed what I showed Jen. Whenever I see a bee or one of those like flying bugs, I immediately do fists up. So <laughs> I would love to see you fist fight a bee. I would not like to do that. Oh. Uh, my grandpa used to like snatch hornets out of the air because uh, he had like, no. of hands, and he would just like snatch them out of the air and then release them. Um, no, because, because he was like, "Oh, that's the best way to deal with the hornets. They just need redirecting." And we're like, no. <laughs> "You're crazy." Uh. Yeah, come to think of it, I don't think I've ever seen a bee-centric horror movie or anything. So maybe that's a uh, it's a void that needs to be filled. Is Wild Mountain Time a bee-centric horror movie? When you guys have a chance, look at the link I posted in the Zoom chat. I'm afraid uh, to sound it's from a 1983 um, horror film called Sleepaway Camp. Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, that entire film. It's ridiculous. But. Ridiculous. So, is that the um, one where they're on the boat? Uh, it starts off with they're on a boat and there's an accident. And um, the. The parent and one of the children dies, I believe, and the boy is then taken in by a wealthy, adopted by a wealthy family, but the mother raises him as a daughter named Angela. Okay. And then Angela, you know, whatever goes through life as, you know, Angela, and she gets Mm -hmm. taken, like, she goes to summer camp. Of course, she's, you know, uh, Angela is a quiet, introverted person who gets sent to a summer camp. You know, torture, I'd imagine. But people start picking on her and go ahead. You said I imagine that's pure hell. I can tell you from personal experience, it is. <laughs> camp. Good times. But yeah, when you get a chance, it the, the topic of bees, there's there's one scene in there like involving bees. Guess what I'm not watching. And if you're listening, I we don't want to describe it. Go YouTube it. It's totally worth it. <laughs> I'm gonna encase myself firmly in the bubble and not watch it. <laughs> so here's something strange about fear, like personally, that I just realized actually. Maybe I should have realized before now, but I haven't. Um, so there are two things that I'm terrified of that should lead me to be terrified of death. However, I am in no way terrified of death. Uh, but I am terrified of funerals okay. and hospitals. Okay. okay. Both of those things make sense. Yeah, I don't like either one of them. I get really cagey and snappy and weird when I'm around either one of them. <laughs> which is why I avoid them both. <laughs> no, funerals Funerals just have a weird vibe about them. I agree. Don't we all like, everything's, everything's stagnant, kind of. Same thing with the hospital. I don't know. You know, aside from funerals in my life, and I've been to probably more than a, a few funerals, probably a couple dozen or more, I, quite a few, uh, close family, whatever. But other than two fa- uh, funerals in my life, when I've gotten into that situation, like even if it's a grandmother or um, an uncle or whatever, I have a tendency to translate my anxiety or sadness into inappropriate humor. (laughs) The kind of stuff that like, oddly enough, I don't fear hell. And I'm good with that because my conduct at funerals is probably condemning me to hell if there is a hell. Um, But I'm fine with that. Okay, listen. My grandmother laughed at her ex-husband's funeral. (laughs) Like, not a cute, courtly, like, hee-hee little lady laugh. No, like a full, like, combustible, like, Yzma cackle. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And when I asked her, we were in a crowded house. 
full of people. I was in seventh grade and I said, Grandma, what's wrong? Because she sounded demented. <laughs> and she goes, I always knew he was going to die before me. Jeez. <laughs> oh, yeah. I and love her already. <laughs> and I just was, I had to warn her. I said, you realize that your daughters lost their dad, right? Like you cannot say this to them. And she's like, well, he was my husband. I'm like, no, 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 you, no. So, you know, <laughs> maybe that's where my fear of funerals began. I don't really know. Well, I, I can appreciate that a little bit. Like, because, like, why does everyone, why is everyone, oh, you can't ta- talk ill of the dead. You can't, they're, no, no. If they were, you know, if they were whatever in life, own up to it in death, too. Like, I'm not going to sit there and paint you as this saint if you were, like, like, I mean, I, I don't want to sound callous or anything, but I did not really overly like my grandparents. Aww. In fact, one of them, Grandma Rozak, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry, but you earned your old Polish, I can't say that on the podcast, but there's a lot of expletives <laughs> within that. <laughs> I mean, she's a hardworking woman, don't get me wrong, and I respect her, what she did for my aunts and uncles and my mother. I love her in retrospect. But I tell you, when she passed, I didn't cry. Oh, that's, that's um, yeah. Okay, kind of a question after that. Um, go ahead. Did somebody have I something? Wanted, yeah, I wanted to know what Grant fears. Yep. Yeah, thank you. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, I suppose I have a really strong fear of like home invasion. <laughs> I guess I have a lot of home invasion. I have a lot of home invasion dreams. That sounds vaguely terrifying. Out of it. Something intruding. What was that? Okay, you know, that's a random. Like, did you have a a thing when you were a kid? Did somebody break in when you were? What? Did somebody break into your house? Situation like that. No. Can you? <laughs> Grant? Grant kind of just kind of robot. No. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you know, okay. You, okay, can you? <laughs> well, it, it makes me laugh thinking about like a uh, conversations I had with a guy when I was in service. Like, no matter what, when he went to bed or no matter what happened in his social life, he would always get dressed again before he fell asleep and this led to this discussion he's like he's terrified of someone coming in the room and like like he's like if i have to defend the house i don't want to do so in just underwear or naked (laughs) valid valid which i mean yeah true if like a fire fire alarm goes off and you're tripping over you know trying to put on some long johns or a robe or something it seems a little but listen I will stand outside naked if it means avoiding burning to death, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Don't you people sleep in pajamas? That's what I'm asking. Like, what? I mean, I I do, but, you know, that's not the point. (laughs) Oh. Can you guys hear me now? Yeah. 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 Oh, okay, cool. Cool. Sorry. <laughs> Some technical difficulties. You rapture um, He got unraptured. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of home. But yeah, I, I'm, that's a, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but that's a major fear of mine. I don't know if it's something intruding on the supposed safety of like your safe place, but. I don't know. It's, it's always it's always there in the back of my mind. Um, so I want to know what you your guys's uh, feelings on like the horror genre in general is, uh, either specific to literature or just uh, you know, or what's your connection to it if you have one. Mm. So you know, it's interesting. I'm because I was thinking about this as I was reading the book. My. Uh, knowledge of the horror genre or at least in terms of having read certain things is still like very very new 
because it's hard to scare me. Like, if you put a spider in a book, you'd have to put a picture of it in order for it to terrify me. But if you wrote about the spider, you've already dispossessed it of its power to terrify me because I love words. So, so I'm more likely to be like, oh my God, that sentence was gorgeous, but I'm not scared. <laughs> so um, I think to this book's credit, like the first 50 pages did leave me kind of shivering a little bit. Like I was like, I don't know what I'm scared of, but I, I, I'm scared of something. This is weird. Um, and the only other book that ever did that to me was uh, The Woman in Black, which is also a really, really short book by Susan Hill. I read that like years ago, like just before the movie came out, because I didn't even know the movie was coming out until I read the book. Um, but that book is creepy. Like it's one of those like nice slow burn terrors. And all it's using is like a ghost, which you know is a ghost, but it's terrifying the entire time. And it's a really short book. So that's my only connection really to like horror books. Um, I love a good horror movie mm -hmm. though. So that's just me. You know, I, I'm not going to talk. What do you think? About it, but I, I'm not a horror book person. I don't know why. <clears throat> In fact, this year I read, uh, oh my God, well, Lock and Key, a graphic novel. Um, I, that's a horror graphic novel. It's, I don't think I've ever read really anything like that before. And of course, I'm thinking of ending things. But frame of reference, when you say horror, I'm never going to think literature because it's not my usual literary jam. I'm going to think instantly movies. But um, that's that's just me. All right. No, I mean, I'm a baby child and I don't do horror. <laughs> probably the second horror novel I've ever read in my entire life. Not necessarily planning on picking one up in the future, unless we do another book club discussion or something like this. That's, that'll be I, Halloween. I have never once seen a horror movie and I do not plan on it. Not my jam. Again, there was nothing, this was not bad. And I was definitely scared at the end, but thankfully not like permanently psychologically damaged scared. But it's just... <laughs> If I have only so much free time for myself, why do I want to spend it terrifying myself? <laughs> you know, so fun. wait, what? Wait, I said because it's fun. <laughs> but you, you know, something that is interesting, and I think I this is what I hope that I stumble across as I dig deeper into the horror genre because I want to. Um, and actually, my friend Ryan wrote a horror novel, so I read that one. I forgot about that one. Um, Something that I really like about the horror genre is that it explores fear so that even if you're not terrified specifically because it's maybe not your specific fear, you're given reason to believe that fear is real and that it's real for other people in ways that it's not real for you. If that makes I already sense. know that fear is real. I don't need to read about it. <laughs> right. But like, but like I, I fully suspect that it is going to prove to me why people are terrified of clowns because I have no I have no justification other than people staring at me with big eyes of like terror saying, Oh my god, clowns and I'm like, What's the big deal? Like punch them in their made up face, like it's a clown. What's the big deal? you know? But that's such a mood. People are generally genuinely scared of clowns, like terrified, and I'm like, Okay, well I need to like read that book then, I guess. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It makes sense. Okay. You still haven't convinced me, but it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I think why I kind of gravitate towards horror or horror-ish things, um, I, I think, I don't know, I, I think horror and by extension kind of all genre films or books or whatever, they kind of lend themselves to working on multiple levels. Mm -hmm. Like on one level, they can, can kind of be a thrilling, you know, amusement park ride. And then, but like on a lower level, they, they, they can also be about something like in the world of like film, you got your uh, 
Ari Aster's with movies like Hereditary and Summer. Um, like, like Hereditary's on the on the surface, it's a, it's a pretty spooky, you know, film. But what it's really about is the dissolving of this family. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I've I've just always felt like horror is a good way to kind of explore some of the darker, um, you know, just some of the darker parts of the human experience, I suppose. Um, yeah. I don't know why, but yeah. And like, or like in my know. own writings, whether or not, oh, what was that? Oh, go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to say it's my initial intention. Um, and those, the horror, uh, it usually just ends up that pay towards that. Yeah, I just like stuff that works on different levels, I guess, and that that horror is kind of conducive to that. Makes sense. Yeah. Tell us why you like. Quick like, uh, interjection: Do oh. we have time for Aaron and then a smack, or do we need to segue? No, in I, can, the I, can, I can do mine and then a smack. All right. So I think for me, like I I, I don't really care for horror films, just because. I have a thing about jump scares and I will explain so later, but like jump scares in movies are different than like in a book where like I'm yeah. slowly getting more terrified and I will read horror books until I die because I love them. But like <clears throat> in terms of movies, can't really watch them. However, I'm a more of a scary game person. I, I yeah. So... I have a tendency to scare myself in games. Um, I'm that type of person who will carry around a companion as a pack mule, and then all of a sudden I'll figure out who they are, and then I will freak myself out because I did not see them there. And it's dark because I have mods that make everything extremely dark and terrifying. So I also like the, for me, especially in terms of like games, because it's the best way I can describe it. There's a slight adrenaline rush to doing something and then having that, oh, is there something going to pop around the corner? Is there something that's going to happen? And you're kind of anticipating it. And I like that anticipation that you get. But I just, I just can't sit through a movie of a scary movie, but I can sit through like a 20 hour gameplay of Resident Evil 2 running around screaming my head off, but I can't sit there with a scary movie and I don't know why. Fair enough. This smack is kind of funny. <laughs> Jen and I are cackling yeah. over it. Snog, Mary Avada Kedavra. So, breaching on the original, not the original, but like the beginning topic, how we were talking about romance writers and oh. how hers was like a Shakespearean type thing. Yeah. Oh, so, no. Uh, Romeo, Juliet, and Paris. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to pick wow. Mary because he's the only one alive at the end. <laughs> that doesn't matter. <laughs> I feel like kissing Romeo would be fun because, like, I, I don't think you want to get serious with Romeo necessarily. No. But he's probably don't. a good time for like a quick makeout. Yes. No, he's not. Do you understand? This is the man that if you kiss him once, he will perform sonnets underneath your window for the rest of your living days. Okay, but here's the I thing. can live with that. He was also obsessed with a girl <laughs> five minutes beforehand, and then he sees another girl across the room and then falls in love with her immediately. He's totally that guy that you would take to a party as your boyfriend, and then like 10 minutes later, he's leaving with somebody else, and he leaves you there. So- Can we do away with Juliet, though? I mean, let's get this out of the way. I mean, she wakes up, and she thinks, oh, he's dead. I must die, too. And she did, like, check his pulse. Okay. Oh, hold up. No, he was, well, what? she was dead, and then he did kill himself. They're both he? idiots. I'm done. I'm gonna. I'm gonna kill both of them. No. Oh. She. She fake died first. Yeah. He walks in, goes, "Oh no, she's dead." Kills himself. She wakes up, goes, "Oh no, he's dead." Yeah. <laughs> Kills herself. Exactly. You will not. You will not do my girl Juliet like that. You know, just for that, I'm marrying her. Period. Honestly, Period. I'm done. I was going to marry you. That, that'd be fine. But I would kill Romeo and snog Paris because Romeo is 
problematic in the <laughs> extreme. Like fourteen. <laughs> Wait, it, it, with the discussion of like the Ron Hermione, um, Harry, <laughs> we're assuming they're aged up, right? Yes, yes we up. are all assuming that we are some ages, but then I think some of this like. Romeo and Juliet are so stupid stuff that constantly comes up when people discuss Romeo and Juliet. It's because people forget they're like 15 and their brains aren't developed yet. That's I, I kind of have to abstain from this one, dude, because I don't think I've watched or read Romeo and Juliet since, I don't know, maybe, I don't know if I was probably 11, 12. Perfect. Oh, wait. Okay, so I have recommendations. First of all, Read it again because it's worth rereading. Um, I care what anyone says. Romeo and Juliet is so underrated in how good it is. Period. So there's that. Um, Watch a stage show version of it too. It's fantastic on stage compared to like when you're actually just reading it. Like I could imagine. You, you talk about it being underrated when you read it. When you see it on stage, there's a whole other like layer of theatrics and humor that you don't get to see when you're reading it in like your high school classroom or right. as a book or in a yeah. movie. The stage version like has a whole layer, especially in the beginning with that bite your thumb scene. Yeah, and I think, you know, my other caveat to that is it is a mistake and every English teacher needs to hear me out on this and just get over yourself. It is a mistake to teach this story to high schoolers, period. Start with Hamlet and leave Romeo and Juliet for when they're in college. Anyway. <laughs> I'm, you can't see me, but I am like, yes. I think you could. My, away. We always, we read it freshman year, which feels like way too early. I think you could get away with it with yeah. seniors, especially maybe in like a college prep kind of English class. But yeah, yeah, not necessarily the right year. I agree. Oh, and also, Andy, just for your edification, mm -hmm. Romeo plus Juliet, as directed by Baz Luhrmann, that's the way to go. Hmm. So good. So good. I'll have to consider it because I'm anti-Leonardo DiCaprio. It's great that you let in with that back to work. <laughs> I, I'm leaving. Um, I can't take the slander of my man Leo DiCaprio. I have to go. Like I'm so what? Early Leo bothered me. Like I like I early Leo was nominated for an Academy Award at like ten. But he didn't deserve it. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, actually, Maybe I'm just a, one. a teenage guy who's jealous of the fact that like women were swooning over him for decades <laughs> and I wanted to be swooned over. And I think his face looks a little funny. Um, okay, my only problem with swooning over Leo is that Brad Pitt is right there. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you know, if, yeah, Brad Pitt is swoon worthy. Ugh. Leonardo DiCaprio, no, not swoon-worthy. But his acting is so good. He's just a cut above his generation. A cut above his generation. That's my view, anyway. <sighs> that was a good hey, episode. Did Aaron... Oh, it was a good episode. Did Aaron leave? She did leave, yes, because it's past 10 and she can get back on desk. We'll, we'll oh, that's off right about now, so. <laughs>